This is Live from Ukraine, a conversation with Ukrainian voices taped live on Twitter Spaces. To join future audiences, follow me at Benjamin Wittes. Our guest today is Katya Savchenko, who wrote uh, recently an extraordinary uh, diary uh, on Medium of uh, seven or eight days uh, 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 surviving in Bucha under uh, the Russian uh, uh, invasion and then presence. Um, And I asked her to join us on, on the show to talk about the diary, to talk about what happened in Bucha. Um, so Katya, uh, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me and thank, uh, thank you for sharing this important topic with your audience. So I want to start uh, eight years before Bucha, because this was not the front you had to flee, flee uh, the, a Russian invasion. And when I first read that you had uh, 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 first been displaced in the, in the first Donbass conflict in, in 2014, it sounded like a little bit to me like there's, a, there's a, a, a joke in English fleeing Hiroshima for Nagasaki. And, and this, you know, like, you know, being driven out of, of the Donbass to go to, to Bucha is it's a kind of almost unimaginable uh, 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 parade of horrible. So let's start in 2014. Where are you and your family from and how did you end up in Bucha in the first place? Mm, okay. Um, yes, I was born in Donetsk, then I grew up. Golivka, it's a city in Donbas region. Uh, in 2012, I moved to Kyiv because I studied at an university, Tarasuchenko National University of Kyiv. So during 2014, I was already in Kyiv, and um, that winter from like 2013 and 14, I was participating in, the, in the Maidan also. So I tried to support it as much as I could, and. Um, when everything started in Crimea, my family was already nervous about it, and my dad told us that I think that Donbass will be the next because we always knew about this Russian appetites for the territories. Uh, so in spring, uh, my dad uh, came to visit me in Kiev, so we started to search for a new place to live. My dad uh, just to look for a new apartment, and um, we <clears throat> yeah we chose uh, a place in Bucha. We really fell in love with that place, and uh, it's in the forest. It's super nice town with nice people there. Yeah, we fell in love. Um, and then um, when everything like when this like um, all this bombing started already in Donbass, uh, my dad was already in Bucha. Oh, not in Bucha in Kiev because we like bought an apartment, but we still had to do some stuff. And so we just. Uh, were in the apartment of our friend in Kiev, Kiev and uh, my dad was already in Kiev, but my mom and sister, they were in Hordevka at the time, and then they had to pack their stuff as fast as they can and um, just moved, just took the first train and go to Kiev. And the first months we were staying <clears throat> in that apartment in Kiev, and then we moved to Bucha, finally. And um, what is the most... Um, like the, the most sad thing for me about the situation is that uh, when I was at home the last time, it was yeah 2014, it was uh, I, I went home to see my relatives on Easter. I didn't know that this is my last time at home uh, because then I just didn't have any chance to go back because uh, it was already occupied by the time when I was in Kyiv. When the war started, the full-scale invasion, uh, you, uh, did you... Did you think it was coming to Bucha uh, 
or you thought of Bucha as a, as a safe place to be? What was the, um, I mean, it's obviously far from, from Donbass, um, but did you have a sense that you were likely to be, you know, sort of right in the path of the, the, the Russian assault on Kiev? Uh, I can say that our family uh, was thinking that um, uh, the first thing that we really believe that it can be possible and we really was thinking about that it uh, it's going to be not only the east of Ukraine. I don't know, we just maybe that was just experience or something like that. So one month before the full uh, scale invasion, we met with our family um, and we were trying to decide what we're going to do if everything will, like, will start. Uh, but we didn't think about that support from Belarusian side, uh, that Belarus will support Russia and that from their territories also will be some provocations and attacks and the forces will be going from that part. Uh, so our dad was sure that it's the best option is to be together and to be in one place because we were thinking about that maybe they will try to cut uh, off their connections, mobile, like internet or something like that. And um, we just tried to see what we're going to do and... Um, our decision was to like if everything starts, will start. So we just grab our stuff, like everything we had, like in our months. Because I was living in Kiev by the time, and my sister also. But our parents were living in Bucha, and uh, at the first chance we have to go to Bucha so we can meet all together. And we like didn't think that it will be even worse to be in there than to be in Kiev. Of course, no one knew, I guess, and um, that's why I I had my backpack prepared approximately week before like week before the 24th of february yeah, and um, when i woke up we just even didn't discuss what we're gonna do because we already had this plan that we have to go to bucha um, of course i was uh, i had some hope that um, uh, our parents will decide uh, to go somewhere to the west for example you know or to, to leave uh, the town because already in the day it was clearly understandable that um, the thing started from Kostomo, uh, which is really close to Bucha, and uh, that um, uh, everything can start there in Bucha. Just for people who don't know, Kostomel is, is the site of a large uh, cargo airport mm -hmm. that the Russians uh, tried to take uh, and uh, uh, was the site of a very significant battle as a result. Yeah, yeah, thanks. And uh, but there were already huge lines, and um, we just understood that it's almost impossible to get out of the town. So our dad was like, he made this decision that we have to stay. And of course, I can understand him. He was in shock, like every of us, and he didn't want to leave his uh, home like this for the second time. It was really painful for him and to my mom because we they just started their new life in Bucha. It it took some time and some years to for them to settle there because we are young. Like, like for us to move to another town, it's like mm, it's it's a stress, but it's not as um, like uh, hard as for our parents because of the age. And yeah. So you um, so you go on the first day to Bucha. Um, when and one thing I'm you know your your the diary is is uh, you know remarkably detailed in some ways and um, and but it left me with the question. When did you realize that you had basically gone exactly the wrong direction and that, you know, going from the, the, 
the better thing would have been for your parents to come to Kiev rather than for you to go to the house in, in, in Bucha. When, when did you realize that you'd sort of walked into the firing line? Um, I think it was exactly the first day. Like uh, in the evening, I already understood that, okay, um, I understood that Bucha is not a safe place, but it was really hard to understand what's going on in other cities because um, I'll try to explain. When you're just in this situation, when there's like shooting arounds and explosions, uh, you're kind of thinking that um, uh, other cities are in the same situation. Like you cannot imagine that somewhere can be really calm and nice and like, of course, like, Koski wasn't nice at all. And, uh, um, but I think that uh, during the like late evening already, I realized that we made this wrong decision. And of course, um, on the next days, when we started to read the news, uh, we just understood that uh, we are in a big risk now. And that it's better, it was better to stay in Kiev or even maybe to go there now but again our parents didn't want to go didn't want to leave and it was already um um it wasn't safe to go because they their forces were really fast and uh some uh, ways were already blocked or damaged or something and uh, um being in shelter it's it has some uh, this i don't know even how to explain um it helped you to think that you're kind of like safe because you're you have such, such some, some kind of cover over your head uh, because going to um somewhere where you do not know anything about the like uh, the situation is even scarier and um, of course that uh, the the news they they weren't able to provide you with this full information about the roads about the transport and stuff so uh one of the most moving parts of the diary to me um, is uh, where you describe sitting in the shelter and thinking about your values. And mm -hmm. you write, and I, I, I maybe should just, just find the passage and read it, but you write that you're, uh, you're never going to, again, not proclaim your love for somebody when you feel it. You're never going, you're, you're not going to spend any more time regretting professional choices or that you're, uh, uh, you know, where you are in life. Um, uh, I'm, I'm interested in whether that was a momentary feeling under a situation of enormous stress or whether that experience of being in that shelter and not knowing that you were going to survive the next day um, has had a longer term impact on your outlook on the world and the way you engage with people? Um, yeah, that was a really kind of powerful moment because I was super scared at that time. That uh, that was one of the scariest day, uh, I guess, because uh, all these explosions and shootings were super fast. And uh, I was really like thinking that each... Uh, every next second can be the last one. Every next minute can be the last one in my life. So, yeah, the first thing I did, I just wrote my friends uh, to the chats because I didn't have <clears throat> much time. I, I was thinking so that I don't have much time uh, to write everyone in person that um, I wanted to apologize for everything that I love them so much. And I just I don't know if I will survive. And um, and it, it, that was a way for me maybe to calm myself down. I don't know when you. <clears throat> When you face a situation, 
uh, when you feel that you can die exactly the next moment, you are you know it, it somehow it sounds super like in movies or something like that I, I never believed in that but it really happened to me that you can see the whole your life uh and uh, you're not analyzing even it you just see some random pictures from it and you are at that moment i just understood that oh okay even if i would die now i, I had such a great if i didn't regret anything i really had the best friends ever, my super parents, and I loved my country so much, and uh, um, that I enjoyed uh, each task at all my jobs that I did, and if I will, but maybe something I can change to to make it better if I I will survive, maybe I I can do even better, so yeah, I promised myself that I will, I will not um, be silent about my feelings to other people, especially if they're super good ones, especially if I want to say this yes words of love or gratitude to someone else and um, that that really, um I, I that was i don't know how even to explain because maybe yeah it was because of stress but you feel at the same super scared uh you're crying but at the same time you feel happy that you are kind of a bit proud of yourself that you you spent a great journey in this uh, on this earth and uh, you're grateful for it and um I, i'm still with this feeling and uh, now um I, I think that somehow uh, me and my family we feel that um if you already survived that experience there is nothing in this life you can be scared about i mean in if you're like afraid to write to someone or to ask for a job offer or something like that. So these things, they are so miserable comparing to that experience that we had and you have to to use any chance this life gives to you. And yeah, so, so it's, it was, I, I don't know, maybe, <laughs> yeah, I, I have nothing to add. <laughs> um, so one of the things that I was interested in in the diary was that um, you are clearly very aware that terrible things are going on uh, around you and outside the shelter. Um, and you hear, you write at one point that you hear rumors that there were uh, uh, killings and rapes. And um, uh, But it's not clear to me that you, you were aware at real t- in real time that there was a, a mass slaughter and, uh, you know, the scope of the atrocities that we've learned since the Ukrainian armed forces retook the city. And so I, I guess I, I was interested in, uh, you know, was your sense that there was a war going on around you and that people, it was dangerous because there was a war? Or was your sense that there was a massacre of civilians going on and uh, and it was dangerous because there was a war and because the Russians were wantonly killing civilians intentionally. H- how much did you know about what was happening outside the shelter in Bucha? Um, when we were in the shelter, um, of course, like my sister, she like she has more friends from Bucha because she continued her study at school uh, there. So she was in contact with her friends, with her teachers, for example, who also were in Bucha, and some of them tried to escape. And um, so the first um, 
the first thing it was like from the just personal connects and contacts or from people who who you know that they saw something from their windows for example or they even experienced that it's like as i said for example my uh my sister's friend they tried to uh went by car to interaction of Kiev, uh, I guess, I don't remember. And the, the situation that Russians stopped them and then they checked the car and then they told them, that, okay, you can go. But then they started to shoot at them from the back of the car and they um, damaged the, the wheels. So she, and she was super scared and she just managed to, to continue her way just on the flat tires. And uh, it wasn't only the one story. Like the, the other source, uh, we had the, uh, this territorial defense groups uh, yes, these guys who were volunteers who who was like observing what is going on in the town, just uh, uh, looking how how was the situation. So they visited us uh, for several times and they just shared some news with us for what they saw, for example, or what they heard there. And um, if for example, for example, of course, I didn't. Uh, I just understood was I, I didn't have any like expectations of the kindness from the Russians because it's war and we. Are, always knew their attitude to us, to Ukrainians. But even I was shocked with the news when I saw this, this scale, because I knew somehow the situation. Because again, like the stories, and we had more than 2,000, like, no, not 200, sorry, more than 200 people in the shelter. Everyone has some relatives, some neighbors who they texted them that they saw something or they heard something. And uh, um, somehow we knew, but even I was shocked because when I saw the pictures, when I was already... Um, like not in Bucha, I, I I couldn't imagine that this it's it's so huge that was like really I know that streets and this the number of it's just something terrifying and uh, for example the first days uh, we could hear this you know this massive like explosions really hard one and uh, shootings but then uh, after a couple of days they changed just to automatic burst. And uh, when we went to the toilet, for example, uh, sorry for the details, because like we were sitting in the basement, but the toilet was on the first floor. Uh, this shelter, like security guys, told us that please don't go too close to the windows because like there are some this, uh, uh, like shootings just from the guns, and uh, even there were some days they told us not to go up, uh, and we could really hear all that sounds uh, that uh, something is going on, that just some some guns. Uh, and um, after that, uh, I, I was like somehow me and my sister we were re really lucky, so we we didn't see the corpses uh, on our way even when we went from Bucha to Irpin. I don't know, maybe we were just in shock, and I just tried to look forward and not to like look around. But my parents uh, they saw them and. Uh, like that situation that happened to Vlad uh, and uh, just to other friends. Uh, so for for us, it was clear that something something su like super terrible is going on. Not just because of of the heavy weapon, but just uh, the street fights or something like that. We but, but you, yeah. it was clear to you that something terrible was going on, and yet you were still surprised when you saw the pictures and realized the scale of it. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I was uh, just remember when I saw all that, uh, all that, all those pictures. Uh, I couldn't believe like my eyes. But uh, I mean, um, my my parents saw like some of this, like uh, um, some some of the like, um, uh, uh, like more more like. Um, close and we are uh, but of course and uh, i just remember i wrote to my friends that i don't like i can't imagine how we can go to, to the 
the town again. I can imagine the gender that they can just walk the streets around and, um, yeah. So you make a, a very interesting stylistic choice in the diary, which is that you never capitalize the word Russia or Russians. Um, and I'm interested, I, I assume that was from the original diary, not just a creature of the translation, but I'm, I'm interested in uh, uh, what, what that choice wrecks in your own thinking. Um, I don't know, just, uh, I, I don't think that they deserve, you know, this, like, capitalizing. Uh, for me, this country, the government, they, they, they doesn't exist. I mean, they don't have to exist. I mean, in that way, of course, we, I mean, in that way that it exists now. Like do, during uh, doing all these crimes against Ukraine and against other world, so just I don't know. It's kind of emotional. I just cannot capitalize this the first letter of this country. And moreover, like sorry, uh, just also answering your previous question, um, uh, the, like yeah, about the crimes and everything. Uh, my dad, he was on, under the fire also after a few days. Like after we left with my sister, my dad personally was under the fire. He was shooted in the car by Russians. And uh, so I just realized that he was just lucky enough to survive because uh, the driver and his wife, they were wounded. And uh, um, yeah, and uh, the, the driver was wounded leg and uh, shrapnel from the car window hit the woman in the eye and she's just, of, of, they, they survived, that's okay. But uh, they were wounded and my dad, he just uh, got down. He was sitting on the back seats in the car and he just luckily got down because, and that that was the thing that saved him because after that, he showed me the video of the of that car, and there were like four holes into the uh, window on the back. When my dad they, they, they just opened the fire on the car, and uh, somehow it's he kind of managed... miraculous. What? It's kind of like a miracle that he was not uh, killed or 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 badly hurt. Yes, yes, he. Yeah, and then he he had this like long negotiation with that uh, writer, and my dad told that he, um, he even uh, couldn't speak like Russian language normally. The guy who shot him, like uh, from the words of my father, he was some somewhere from Buryatia or something like that. So he tried to negotiate with him that he started to scream that we are civilians, don't shoot at us, like we're just civilians, we live here. And now you you wounded people. I have, we have to take them to the hospital. Like he tried even to ask them for for help, but they didn't. But they eventually eventually he let him go. Like after this twenty of of this conversation uh, under the barrel of a machine gun. And uh, so yeah. And then my my daddy just carried that uh, wounded people to the hospital in Bucha somehow again on on flat tires because they damaged wheels again. And uh, and I just understand that it it was just a miracle. And that's it. And my my dad just personally faced that he was su super close just to be dead. Like, and then when I saw that all all the pictures, and I just realized it, uh, it could be him or my mom. It's no, like, I, I, and <laughs> going back to that question, like, I, I will not uh, even <laughs> if I can, I can show my uh, non-respect to this uh government country even by not capitalizing the first letter of of their name so i will do that so we're going to go to audience questions in a moment so if you have questions this is a good time to uh request to speak um 
I want to ask you, you are now in Poland. Uh, mm-hmm. Is your family, you describe at the end of the diary that your family is uh, out and safe as well. Uh, are you all together? Where, what, um, what, what are you doing now? And, and, and what will, uh, at what point will you go back? Oh, uh, yeah, my uh, parents, they already in Bucha. They went back. Um, they escaped uh, from Bucha and then they spent like uh, a couple of months just in another region. Uh, they were waiting and then they went back to Bucha. My sister already went back to Kiev because we were here in Poland together and I decided to stay here for a while. Um, like the first reason, I'm, I'm too scared to go back because, um, yeah, I still feel scared. And there is no safe place in Ukraine. The war is continuing and uh, we are checking the news every time and you you can just understand that, okay, you're a super lucky one that you escaped and that you survived and I don't want to try my my own luck again. I just don't ready. And the second second reason was that uh, I get a job here and uh, I was super happy about it because I wanted to earn money so I have a possibility to donate this money to our Ukrainian army and just to other needs. And um, yeah, and uh, when I got, when I received the job offer and I just decided to, to stay here because the company or like temporarily opened the office in Warsaw and I'm really grateful for them. And uh, I wanted to add that uh, they really helped me with this publication <clears throat> of my diary because they helped me with translation, with the editing and um, I'm really grateful. So now I'm just here work for a tech company, a global one with Ukrainian roots, way like as a content <laughs> content project manager. And somehow it helps me to feel better because without work, uh, I was going mad. Like when you have nothing to do, you're just thinking all the time about the experience you had, about that you have a war and this fear it kills you. So somehow you need to distract your attention attention to something else. And uh, I really do my job now also. And my parents, they're, they're safe. I cannot say that they're like, okay, because as I said before, there, there are no safe place in Ukraine. Uh, but they, I think that they feel better being at, they are not going to be a lucky one because our house wasn't damaged. Uh, again, luckiness, I don't know how. Um, yeah, so so. Building in Bucha that wasn't damaged. No, no, they, they hit it. The, the, like we live on the fourth floor. Uh, it was a fire on the second, but our neighbors were at the time uh, in the building, so they just helped it not to, not, not to go further. So somehow they saved the building from the from the fire. So and our apartment wasn't um, wasn't damaged. Walter, uh, the floor is yours for any questions you may have. Thank you, Benjamin. Thank you, Katya, and uh, Katya. Thank you for for sharing your experience here with us. And uh, I'm incredibly sorry that you had to relive through this twice in your life. Once, I believe, when you had to leave Orlyka and Donbass after it got occupied by Russians into southern Fritin and the second time nowadays in Bucha. I actually have a short question about Horlivka, but prior to that, <laughs> according to your parents, how, how does it feel to, to kind of come back to the city, to the to Bucha? The trauma is in there. How does the city try to kind of deal with what happened? How does it feel to, to, to be in the city right now? Uh, yeah, thank you for your words and for the question. And um, for the first time, like when when they just arrived, uh, that was hard, of course. And they just didn't try to go out from the apartment. 
but uh, my mom said that uh, uh, everything like when we was there, it, it was winter and uh, uh, like now. Uh, like she, I will try to explain what she said to me because I asked her about it. Uh, that <clears throat> now everything is green, and somehow she feels that nature covers um, that pictures. Like that, that now the pictures they are different because you remember that uh, the butcher during the February, during the March, and now it feels a bit different. And uh, our local is really good. They like repaired a lot of stuff. Uh, they. Um, they're working on to rebuild the city. Of course, there are some damages that cannot be just uh, fixed uh, really fast. But um, for them, it's better to, to, to be at home, at their own apartment. I just feel it. I even can hear it from their voices. They just not try. They, for now, they try not to go that streets like uh, or some of that places which you, you could uh, see on the pictures. And um, about Horlivka, uh, I know it's, um, uh, we never went back there uh, in eight years. Uh, we just left and that's it. And we didn't visit uh, it at all. Even like some, some people, they managed, for example. But we just didn't want because for us, if you're crossing the border, you kind of, um, uh, like Wisniewski, uh, you kind of accept that you have to pass this border, like you are going to another country or something like that. And um, that was the first reason. The second reason that I just, just didn't want to go there. The, the third reason is that uh, me and my father, we uh, we were on the list uh, of that. Uh, uh, occupiers because uh, during the time we were super like pro-Ukrainian and uh, I, I was participating in some activities uh, in Horlivka supporting Ukrainian side so that's why when when they occupied the territory like it was finalized uh, just some volunteers uh, uh, like they informed me that I'm on the list and I cannot go back there like because like, even even in security reasons just briefly to specify, because Russians always tell us to that we have to hear the voices of people of Donbass. Well, I believe you are the mm -hmm. exact example of the voice that has the incredible gravity. You are from Donbass, you are from Ukraine. You know what is happening in there, and you know what happens under Russian occupation in, in Horivka, where you come from, and in Bucha, when you had it twice. So just, are you like, like can you give us a like brief impression, what does it feel to live under Russian occupation for so many years, if you're still connected with that part of your life in any way? Um, frankly speaking, I wasn't like super close connected to that because uh, for the first, like the first reason, I, I wasn't able to go there. I, I, I was really happy not to live under that occupation because I was already in Kyiv. I saw that people who, um, um, who says the power there like during the times who tried, but it wasn't uh, at that time like totally occupied. Uh, and uh, I, I just, um, uh, I don't know, it's hard, it's hard for me. I, I'm lucky one day that I, I wasn't under the occupation. My uh, grandparents are still there. They don't want to leave. And this is a really sad story because they're kind of, um, this, they really uh, trust Russian propaganda, and for us, it's really um, like sad situation, especially for my father because it's it's his parents, and um, 
because yeah it, it works powerfully on people even now i just uh, like pe- some people write me or leave some comments that it's not the real like and that uh, what happened to butcher is not for real that it's all just some actors and it's, what uh, it's a craziness and um, but uh, Wait, on that point mm-hmm. they don't believe their son and granddaughter about what happened to you yeah yeah yeah, we had this kind of yeah, and this is uh, I'm frankly speaking, I can I don't really even want to tell like to talk about it more because like for us it's super uh, like it's painful because they even didn't trust to uh to our dad to us and uh, yeah because they always uh, they up in Soviet Union they always watched Russian TV and uh, even during this eight years we couldn't we, we did all we can. Can, you can trust me to, to change their opinion just to show them truth but they are old people I don't know like what's in their heads but maybe now they are starting to realize what's going on and but it's really hard for them now to admit it because after all that happened um, yeah this is like a family drama Ev Gomont the floor is yours thanks um, thank you very much for your very moving text your, the, the diary is amazing um, I was wondering how it came to be. Like, what prompted you to write it? Um, thanks. Uh, I was writing it just during during my stay in Bucha, just in the in the basement, because you, you don't really have uh, a lot of things to do in the basement. And when I um, prepared my backpack, uh, all that I had inside, like the and my diary, which I usually uh, I usually like write some stuff into my diary. Uh, like even before the war, like for for some year, for some years, um, it helps me. It helps me a bit, but during the time, it uh, really it, it has some therapeutic effect. It was kind of therapy for me, just to uh, to fix the reality because somehow you cannot understand that what is happening is for real and it is happening to you. And uh, when you are just waiting a bit, it somehow you you feel that. It's it's happening with someone else, not with you, something like that. So I just tried to fix everything, uh, and uh, um, the publication and the article on the medium it's not it's not full uh, because like the story is much longer <laughs> about uh, every person I met there and uh, about every stuff we, we we did and because you have nothing to do, you just sit for the whole day in a basement. Uh, sometimes like three days maybe per day, you to go out to to have a smoke break and then you just ran back because it's like shellings and stuff and um so yeah i did that and was there some stuff you didn't feel capable of writing like stuff you censored and like why did you decide to keep some of this the the thing you wrote and decide not to publish other parts i just realized it's it's a a really long long story and it's it's going to be too much symbols for, for 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 an article uh, so I wanted to edit it in a way. Just of course, when I was publishing it, the first thing I wanted to uh, to sh- to share what happened to me, and I want um, to be heard. That uh, just um, what is going on with a person who just uh, had this experience day by day, and I understood that if I'll publish the full, full, full version, it will be too long, 
and uh, maybe one day I will manage to do it. I don't know, like maybe <laughs> I'll try even to write, write a book or something just to just, just to fix that what happened to me. I don't know, like but for I just made this decision, and there were some like really personal things that I wasn't ready to share with the audience. We have a question uh, from, uh, I don't know what the person's name is, but the uh, tag is Slava Ukraini and the floor is yours. Uh, thank you, Herman Slava. Uh, actually, Shannon, Shannon Sashenko, thank you for your story. It's incredible. I'm so looking to hear what you had to live for. From, uh, I have a question that, um, about your relatives who don't believe what is happening in the butcher, do you plan maybe in the future try to how to maybe different with different approach how to maybe change their minds? Maybe maybe you have this any hopes? Maybe it's changes because I still hear in the stories uh, from um, from a lot of the people who on the east of Ukraine have the relatives and this is completely similar stories. Relatives still believes that it's in this Russian propaganda. Thank you. Mm. Uh, you know that's a difficult question because we are we are still trying almost every day. Uh, of course, I, I I have some hope, and uh, still I I'm, I'm trying to believe that uh, one day they will change their opinion. And but I, <clears throat> I from the from the other hand, I'm trying to be realistic uh, <clears throat> and preparing myself. Uh, maybe it will never happen. They are too old now, and I I cannot just. It, it's a really uh, this is a difficult topic, and I think that uh, people, the, the psychologists, need to work with people who were under propaganda for for all this time. It's, it's not so easy even just to to explain it because you know these arguments it don't work because you have to like switch on your logic, you have to do fact checking and stuff, and um, not everyone is ready for that. It's it's much more easier just to to watch TV. I don't know. <clears throat> And believe it. <clears throat> so um, I'm I'm not a professional in this question. I'm trying, and we are still trying, of course, and we are telling them. But uh, um, I don't know if we will succeed. Walter. Yeah, I'll go slightly on a tangent here, um, specifically regarding 2014. If you recall those days, because uh, the narrative that we encounter is that. Um, Ukrainians or Russian-speaking Ukrainians somewhat supported what was happening in there or support like the movements. But I want to hear the notion or the first-hand experience from a person like you who has seen what was happening in 2014 when Russia initially invaded, when those protests were in Donetsk. And I believe those were also pro-Ukrainian protests. And there are rumors that people were like moved in from Russia to take part in that, if you recall. Um, <clears throat> yes, for what I remember, um, sorry, second. <clears throat> um, as uh, far as I remember the days, uh, yeah, uh, really like some like Russians were in Ukraine the days. They were just transferred there, I don't know like how. Like, I remember, of course, we had the pro-Ukrainian, this protest in Donbass, and had to do them in Horlivka. And, uh, but this, um, uh, like, I don't know, somehow Russia started to work there from the inside of Donbass. Like, they, they didn't invade, yeah, the territories for the first. Like, they started to, to do it in a different way, like, from the inside. They just moved to Ukraine and just started to organize some 
some strange movements inside. And I, I remember that moment when um, our, because I, at the time I was in Gorlivka um, during the Easter when I went, um, I remember that our, uh, the mayor of the city, uh, he was um, uh, uh, took as a hostage and uh, the most pro-Ukrainian deputy was killed at the time. And uh, there were some really strange and random guys who seized the power in the city. Who, who, who just... Who, I remember I was staying in the, in the main square in Gorlivka and I saw these red flags or something and I, I couldn't believe my eyes. And uh, um, some people, maybe some people, they really believed in this idea of independent or something like that. But it's, it's not... Uh, it, it would never happen if Russia wouldn't like uh, do that um, like there like if they, if Russia well, wouldn't use that instruments that time so they just move some people people there who uh, were organizing that protest and something like that like never never I don't believe this because yeah we, we still like we had a lot of people who supported Ukraine at the time in the Donbass and uh, some of them they wasn't able to move on for example to another region so because of multiple, uh, I don't know, and I don't know if I answered your question because I'm not really. I just can say about the things that I really saw with my own eyes. I don't want to be uh, like I'm not a professional, you know. I just I'm not politician and I'm not uh, like analyst and these things. Uh, just can say about what I saw. Rajnish, uh, the floor is yours. You got to unmute yourself, sir. All right, we're going to uh, uh, move on. Uh, Ev, do you have other questions? Uh, yeah, uh, in your diary, you're talking about humor. You know, like you're saying that it's something that fans uh, rely on. Uh, I was wondering if it's still the case nowadays, or if the mood has changed since uh, the first few months of the war, or, or since the first few months after the full-scale invasion. <clears throat> Can you please uh, repeat your question? Because uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand. Yeah, sorry. Um, I would like you to talk about humor, the way Ukrainians <laughs> rely on humor. Yeah, that's, uh, that really helped us. Um, uh, you know, even despite the situation and everyone was super scared and you always hear the explosions, you're trying to be optimistic and maybe because a of adrenaline everyone had this enthusiasm i don't know like to help to do to the joke around that uh, now we will fight them and uh, um like uh, other lots of jokes because humor is is almost the only thing that that can help you uh, even just being in a shelter we, we had a lot of jokes about us being captured there in a shelter that Okay, let's just imagine that we are in a summer camp or something like that. And uh, Ukrainians are really great in doing memes and stuff. This emotional part is really important for us. And we, we, we do believe, of course, that we will win. Like, no one doubts our victory. And because we are on the right side and we like, do love our defenders so much, our country so much. And uh, we, 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 we're trying to be optimistic about everything. And these jokes, this humor, this like, memes, everything, it, it really helps us not to be sad because we we uh, we really see all this super scary terrible horrible news every day like every hour uh, it's um, and it's impossible to survive under this pressure so you have somehow to distract yourself and find some reasons i mean i don't know to smile and uh, i think that this is 
something about the like, protection of your psycho, not to 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 go crazy. <laughs> and uh, we are still we are trying to be positive. Like, mm, yeah. We're gonna give Rajneesh another chance, sir. Unmute yourself, and the floor is yours. Thank you, sir. Uh, I want to say about Ukraine. Ukraine is so. Uh, I'm so worried about Ukraine, and I think uh, Russia is, uh, should stop uh, the war uh, because everyone know uh, about Ukraine. Okay, but I want to say you Indians are so worried about Ukraine. Okay, do you have a question, sir? Sir, I want to know uh, what's the position of uh, Ukraine is uh, now. Oh, so sorry. Can uh, some? Uh, I'm, just... I'm not sure. Okay. I, I, guess he's, I guess he's asking about uh, the the state of the war now, but I'm not sure that's a question that's uh, best yeah. directed. Um, yeah, but yeah. If, if you have thoughts on it, the 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 piece actually ends by saying the war is continuing. Um, how how are you thinking about the current state of it relative to uh, uh, to uh, a few weeks ago or when? Um, I mean, my like opinion about the situation. About uh, can you just, uh, sir, please explain a bit? Uh, yeah. Again, I mean, so, so when you, uh, I mean, obviously you're not a military analyst, but when you <laughs> when you look at the the current fighting, um, uh, do you, you know, do do you regard it as uh, a, a set of positive developments? There, the HIMARS are destroying a lot of Russian. <laughs> Do you look at it as uh, a dispiriting set of developments? The Russians have taken some territory in the Donbass. Do you, do you regard it like how are you thinking about the war now? Uh, yeah, of course, I'm not an analyst, an analyst like, and no one of us. But uh, what I can say is that I, I try not to do any like forecasts or um, just our horizon of planning is I think it's two weeks, it's maximum, and you are just trying to live in the moment. I think that, uh, of course, I, I hope that the things will be like, positively uh, in, and on Ukrainian side, especially with uh, this weapon and uh, the last news about, yeah, this, uh, uh, about Hamas, they were so super, uh, like, encouraging and uh, really hope that it will help us to um, do... Uh, to make our victory real as soon as possible, sooner than it might be, and um, but I try not to like. Of course, because you know, when I just arrived to um, when everything just started, we were sure that okay, one week and everything will like will win and everything will be ended, like something like that. Then uh, we were thinking that okay, maybe like one month after one month, everything will be finished. Uh, when I just arrived to Poland, I was sure that I will not stay here lo longer than four. I don't know, one or two months. But now I'm already here for four months. So I, I'm just trying not to um, not to make this forecast even for myself, just to not... If, if there will be some great and positive news, I will be super happy about them. But in another way, I don't want to be like be disappointed or something. But I still believe that uh, we will yeah, yeah, we will deal with that and that we will win. And as I said before, it was the help of the weapon in other countries. So we really appreciate that help. We really need it, really. Walter, do you have an additional question? Yeah, just briefly. Uh, something that you mentioned really kind of hit me. Um, 
you, you're essentially in a different country with a new job, but you're still donating money that you earn and a position that you're currently are, you're still donating to armed forces. And I hear more and more people are doing that. Can you kind of build upon that? And uh, second question, just briefly, what victory looks like specifically, personally to you? Uh, is it the Ukrainian flag over Horlivka? Is it meeting someone you left in there? Is it coming back with someone that you met and returning? Or it's something else? Thank you. Yeah. And uh, sorry about the first question, uh, like about these donations. Uh, uh, please, uh, like, um, what did you mean when you asked that uh, about, like, is still Ukrainian donate uh, money to Ukrainian forces? Yes. How do how do you feel it? How do you feel about it? Like, is it like your personal choice? You're like you want to, to uh-huh. contribute still. Just I want to hear your personal thoughts about this. Uh, yes, of course, I want to, to be useful in, in, in a way I can be, like, in any possible way I want to contribute to our victory. And just, I, I, I can't even imagine that I won't do it. And I think uh, every Ukrainian thinks so. I know people who gave their money, really, because uh, you don't need money if you don't have your own country or something like that. So you better give your, like, your last money to Ukrainian armed forces or to, to the people who fight uh for our freedom and our lives, then you just keep them and, and that what? What will you do with this money if you will not have anything? Uh, so we are still as I said before, I can't even imagine that I won't do it. Um, and somehow I think it, it it really helps to feel that you are useful because not everyone can... Like I, I'm... Uh, I'm so frightened. I some sometimes I regret that I'm not brave enough to go, for example, and to fight, to take some weapon, and uh, to defend uh, like other girls or other guys, like from our forces and or even other volunteers who really risk their lives every day and they really help like physically. They do something. I'm I'm not brave enough to do this. So at least I'm trying to to donate money. Like this is the least I can do, and just to share to share information what happened and. Um, uh, the second question was about victory. Victory for me is uh, the first thing is that territories from ninety um, first um, year, like as it was before the Russian invasion. So <clears throat> of course Donbas, Luhansk is a part of Ukraine, Crimea is a part of Ukraine. So I want uh, all the Russians like leave our territories and never disturb us again. And uh, for me, victory is also like reparation. So they will be uh, charged for it. So they will be punished all the people who did crimes here on our land so they they, they will answer for all that they did so just freelance um this um, yeah <clears throat> yeah russians punished and um like uh how to say that uh these reparations and stuff like from their side and free country and but of course like another thing what i'm thinking about is that um unfortunately Lots of forests and fields for a long time still will be um, really dangerous places because of the mines and some rockets that they left. So maybe also for victory is me, it's, it's, it's um, the, cleaning of the, uh, the cleaning of the Ukrainian territory. So I hope it will be a safe place to live, to continue our life. Martin, you get the second to last question today because I'm going to take the last one. Thank you, uh, Ben. Um, Slava Ukraini. Here I am, Slava. Absolutely. Um, I, I, 
going in just after uh, this site uh, began. Um, so I'm just wondering, uh, you wrote an article, Katja. Uh, if so, um, is it in English so someone like myself and others can read it? And second question, um, I'll be very concise. What would you like us, no, let, what would you like me as an individual here in Canada to do to help support the people of Ukraine who are fighting against this illegal, unprovoked aggression by Russia. And I'll go down to listener and thank you and Slava Ukraini. Uh, Slava, thank you. Yes, I wrote an article. It's in English. Uh, it's pinned into my Twitter page. Uh, so the last tweet it's pinned. So there is a link to do an article. Yeah, this this is a translation of my diary which I wrote during my uh, um, basement days in Bucha. Uh, yeah, so it's in English. And um, what I can ask to do, like uh, for for me, like still I hear a lot of. Uh, questions and affairs situations when people really do not know what is going on here. Of course, there is like some amount, there is some amount of people who really like following the news, who are really in topic, uh, who really tries to support us in any possible way. But still, there are a lot of people who doesn't believe what's going on, who doesn't know what's going on, who thinks that it's some somewhere far away, like uh, and it it doesn't have any affection on them. So what I can ask is yeah to share information to to share information only like from, from the, the the first pages yeah from the news newspapers but uh what's going on in other like maybe cities towns because do like right now uh Kherson region is occupied also uh by russians uh and uh uh, they continue to do their crimes like sharing information and still our defenders lots of them um uh, were taken as hostages and uh, some of them really were sentenced to death i don't know I don't know what you can do, really. I don't know. I even I don't know what I can do to help them. But I, I truly believe that this sharing information, maybe just to ask governments to help something, to do something, maybe organizing protests, donating money again, uh, because uh, maybe some someone will hear you who who will have more chances to do something. I don't know, like to, to change the situation. Maybe some experience or some. Uh, will be qualified for some uh, for some stuff to do um yeah share the information yet yeah. <laughs> donate money to ukrainian army ukrainian service uh, talk to talk to people and uh, maybe if you have any refugees yeah and this is really important uh, for everyone uh, it doesn't matter from where you are like if you know any ukrainian refugees please try to help them any in any possible way because it's really scary to lose like everything maybe you can you know people who can make some job offers for them or maybe you can help them with like to find them a, a place to live at least temporary one um so it or at least just to to the psychologist for them just to speak about it because uh i, I really know that uh lots of people really suffering it's really hard to be not it, it's a it's an awful situation when you you don't want to be in another country you want to go home but you're still super together and you're just feeling that you're stuck in the middle of nowhere. Thanks. Before we let you go, I have one more question about your uh, your Twitter biography, which is, I have to say, one of the most complicated Twitter bio, you know, pack a lot of information into your Twitter bio. It's you're a patriotic uh, Ukrainian from the Donbass with the soul of a, Kiev, uh, a Kievan soul, but that your blood is Greek. And I'm interested, is that a metaphor or, or is your family ethnically from Greece? 
Yeah, originally the east of Ukraine, uh, the Donbas region and Mariupol, uh, it's a, like we had a huge Greek diaspora there. And um, the Mariupol originally was created by Greeks. And uh, my uh, my grandmother and my, my family, we are like, uh, I am a Greek, but like half blood Greek or something like that. So I have some like Greek roots. And uh, lots of villages nearby, Volnovaha, like Mari- lots, lots of people in Mariupol and uh, Bugas, for example, which my granny was from. Uh, people there were still uh, used like Greek language. And unfortunately, lots of the, uh, of that villages were already like damaged. And what happened to Mariupol is just uh, it's I still cannot believe it. Just scares me, and uh, that's why it feels even more painful because I I I'm feeling that Russians not only like, kill Ukrainians but they also kill this minority like uh, the the Greeks who were living there. And that's why, like, frankly speaking, I like, can't understand. Like the position of Greek government now, but okay, it's it's not the, the topic of the discussion. Yeah, so just somehow I'm girl from Donbas, but um, with a uh, blood and roots <laughs> who moved to Kiev then. And now I'm in Warsaw. We are going to leave it there. Uh, Katya Savchenkos, thank you so much for joining us today, for writing uh, this very moving diary and for sharing your story. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks for sharing. Sorry if uh, something wasn't clear or if I made any mistakes uh, during my speech. Um, I I really appreciate that you invited me. Uh, It was a fabulous conversation and we appreciate your doing it. Thanks to you all for joining as well. As always, we will be posting this to the uh, uh, Live from Ukraine podcast feed. You should all uh, rate, review and share because, you know, you are the only promotional uh, vehicle we have for this. Uh, It will be up later today or early tomorrow. Please do share it and keep your eye on my Twitter feed for future episodes. I will always have them as the pinned tweet uh, uh, once they are scheduled. Uh, Thank you all very much. We'll see you later. Live from Ukraine is a production of Lawfare and Goat Rodeo. Uh, You know, the engineering, I'm doing it myself because it's Twitter spaces, but it is produced and edited by folks at Goat Rodeo. Thanks for listening.